0: Awesome nerds, and welcome to another episode of D and D TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch and recap television shows we really enjoy, and talk about how the themes, concept, and characters might be used in different role-playing games. This series, we are going to be talking about the cult anime hit, that time I was re Reinc- Wait, no, that time I got reincarnated as a slime. I am your host, Jeremy, and I am joined by the competent Caleb, who is currently absorbing a dragon into his oozy belly. Uh, Hello, hello. Yes, there
1: is a lot of ooze at the moment. I'm very, very sorry to your wonderful audience. uh, Our
0: wonderful audience.
1: Our wonderful audience. Yes, hello. I I, I suppose they are my audience as well today.
0: That's Um, true.
1: So hello, everyone. Uh, My name is Caleb. Um, I've been fighting off the flu for the past week, but I am up, raring to go and happy to be here. I do apologize for any uh,
0: noises. But uh, I will try and keep those out of the recording as much as possible. We will do our best. And Caleb is another one of the wonderful Game Masters from Masters of Alchemy. This episode brought to you by the Masters of Alchemy, the premier game mastering service in Melbourne. Come find us for all your game mastering needs. Shameless plug out of the way. Uh, No shame. No shame. No shame at all. Uh, Some of you might have seen Caleb and myself with a couple of other former guests at the panel at Supernova a couple of weeks ago uh, from when this was recorded. And um, hopefully you're listening to this now when it comes
1: out. Yeah, we did a nice little plug there. Hopefully we've uh, managed to absorb some weeds like like
0: we would some herbs. Yes. Oh, gee, I hadn't even thought of that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's going to be interesting. Uh, <laughs> Anime. We're doing things a little differently this series. Uh, mm. Some of the things that we're doing differently from the other series will come to in time, but mostly, I know I say it's a rewatch and recap series. I mm. have never seen that time I got reincarnated as a slime, or as I'm going to talk, call it, Tigras. Tigras. Um, um, we, we can also
1: go, uh, slime tends to be a good little um, like shortening down. If you want to go the original,
0: there's, um, I think it's that time No, that no, time That Time Slime. No, no, that Time that Slime. That Time Slime. That Time Slime. Yeah. Let's go for not I, n- I have never seen it before, and I will be watching these in conjunction with the podcast. I'm not going to be watching ahead. I'm cool. going to be watching them, taking my notes, and then we're going to record. So this is going to be spoiler free for me, at Sweet. least. Because wow. I have wow. no idea what's coming. Yes. Good, good. Uh, Well, you're you're in for quite
1: uh, like it's nothing surprising. As no, it's not. I've always no. After two
0: episodes, it is definitely not surprising. No, not at
1: all. I think um, for me, because I've watched this a few times now, I think the big draw of um, that time I got reincarnated as a slime is that uh, that time slime. Yes, indeed, uh, is that it is. Um. It's very solid world building. It's not out there to shock you or make wild twists. It is no. very much a – um, it, it gives you enough information to build upon the world, and everything that happens within the world makes a lot of internal sense. It yeah. um has a very strong sense of, and then this happens. Um, and therefore, this happens, and therefore, this happens. You know, it's it's very much that
0: building domino effect. Um, that now, I which will, is where it I shines. will say, I will say that about it. That it is very basic and simple, and it's Absolutely. scaffolding your information. It gives Absolutely. you just enough to understand what's happening right now and what will happen next. Exactly. And then it goes on and gives you a little bit more information, a little bit more information. That's a good way of building your your group, giving your inf- group information about the world that you're running in. Absolutely. Because you don't want to overwhelm them with that that document that you've got sitting in your hard drive, mm-hmm. which is like 700 pages and it goes into the law and it goes into the political intrigues and you just dump it on their lap and say you must know this before you play. It's like, no, oh. you don't need to know shit. You just need I- to know there's wizards. Exactly.
1: Um, You'll find that with a lot of D&D, like even D&D as a base, like the Forgotten Realms is just Gary Gygax ripping off of um, Lord of the Rings, essentially. Uh,
0: excuse me, Gary Gygax wasn't quite involved with Forgotten Realms. I think you'll find oh. it was Ed Greenwood and R.A. Salvatore. Ah, but oh, we right, yes, digress. That's
1: right. that's right. That Sorry, I, I need to brush up on my knowledge there. Yeah, um, yeah. it's fine.
0: It's fine. That's what I'm no, no.
1: here for. So no no all credit to Ed Green and Ari Salvatore there, um, but yeah it was it's essentially finding those points of familiarity so that yeah when you start introducing the stuff that might be a little bit more left of field or I believe the first episode sort of introduces the idea of magicules the idea of basically your your mana points existing in the air around you and you know essentially being Another form of oxygen in this world. When you start introducing those more high concept ideals, ideas there, it means that your players are coming from a
0: base that is, you know, familiar to them. Mm. Mm. I did, I liked that it spelled it out very simply. Mm. And we're going to have a lot of discussions about isekai or isekai um, throughout this series. Um, uh, should before we, we to Isakai? Into the, yes. I, I'll say what the, the plot of the episodes we're going to be talking about um, is today. Absolutely. Then, then we'll go into Isakai because that kind of sums up like what it is anyway. And then we'll really dive into it. So the first episode mm. is the Storm Dragon Veldora. Yes. And in this episode, Makami Satoru, a businessman, is stabbed by a criminal on the street and killed. When he regains consciousness in the darkness, he finds that he's been reincarnated as a slime. Mm. The and honestly, that's, that that's is the, basically that's the title of the show. That's that's, that's the title, title of the show. show. That time you that. Got reincarnated is the slime World thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it kind of is. That's everything that happens. Yep. Uh anyway, and the second episode, meeting the goblins. This is the other thing that we're doing differently this season. Uh, because anime, I I love anime. There are many anime that I love. I cannot, I cannot get through 24 weeks of this. So we're going to be oh, doing right. two episodes at a time. hundred oh,
1: percent. And honestly, in terms of sheer content as well, um, yeah. you'd be hard pressed to let, let, let's make an hour of content out of a 20 minute episode. Like that, that ain't yeah. going to happen.
0: I mean, we could, but we won't. So the second episode, Meeting the Goblins, and this is, I'm drawing these descriptions directly from IMDB because it seems Mm -hmm. to be the same as on Crunchyroll where I'm watching these. And Mm -hmm. it says, the slime Mikami and the storm dragon Veldora decide to give each other names. Veldora gives the slime Mikami the name Ramiro, and Ramiro comes up with a family name for both of them, Tempest. Then Ramiro uses his predator skill to take Veldora into his body and analyze the unlimited imprisonment seal in hopes of breaking it. But this action sends a shock through the nations surrounding the great forests of Jura. With Veldora gone, there's a chance that large nations could have become bold and invade the smaller provinces. With no knowledge of this, Rumi leaves the cave and meets some goblins. Sweet. Uh, that, oh, is uh, uh, that, that is too long. That is too long synopsis. Yes, that,
1: that's that's not so much a log line as it is a
0: log paragraph. Um, yeah. Uh, they're but... not all going to be like that. Thank God. Yeah, good, <laughs> goods. <laughs> but um, this is, okay, so that, that's what happens. You need. Hmm. literally know everything that happens in these two episodes now. We don't need to do a recap. No. Let us talk about Isekai. Yes,
1: let's. So, um
0: we so have isekai. had discussions about this in person. Mm-hmm. Um, many heated discussions, but I would like your definition, Caleb. Okay. Because you know a little bit more about it than me.
1: So, Isekai um, is definitely one of those ones that... It, it's a genre that has gotten a bit of a bad rap, um, because it is a very broad genre, depending nice. on your definition. I personally go, um, go by... Um, a character is taken from a familiar setting very very suddenly to um, a setting that is wholly unfamiliar to them Um, so this differentiates from your normal uh, passing of the threshold where basically Mm -hmm. this story foregoes the threshold entirely and just basically goes character here, drop him right in this other plane that is wholly unfamiliar to them
0: yeah i Um, think the key being the unfamiliarness like they have mm. no knowledge of this world absolutely like they Um, they can work out some similarities mm -hmm. but they really are starting at zero absolutely not always in some cases but that's that's different but yeah that idea of it's when it comes from traditional European, I've always heard it referred, referred to as portal fiction.
1: Yes. Um, honestly, there are so many examples of, um, well, what we'd call isekai. Um, but, like, it's it's become its own, like, sort of genre in anime lately. But if you look back far enough, you're looking at, um, you know, the... Uh, I think it's The Cowboy in the Cupboard or something like that, or The Indian in the Cupboard. Oh,
0: yeah, the, the Indian in the Cupboard. Um, um, an American, uh, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. That's the one. Um, um, Alice in Wonderland. Wizard Alice in Wonderland Oz, is an isekai. Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so but bit, that, by no means is it a new um, genre. No. However, the way that we've sort of seen it be... Uh, i want to say perverted in uh recent anime has mm-hmm. usually been like loser goes to another world attains a new power um in that transition that makes him actually the coolest hottest best guy around um which uh that time does definitely use that
0: trope yeah, um, does it? Like, like Macam? like, I don't know why he changed his name. Makami mm. seems like a good name. Makami, he mentions that he's 37 years old, he's never had a mm. girlfriend, which also must yeah. mean he's just so horny. Like oh, yeah. ridiculously horny. Well,
1: that, that um, that's that hornyness is what gets him the um
0: the, the, the two skill. major yeah. power
1: he powers he has, the predator oh. skill and the great sage skill. Because it's just like, well, I mean, I guess I've been a celibate monk for 37 years. If I made it to forty, maybe I would have been a great sage, and that's how he gets the great sage ability.
0: Yeah. Um. But overall, like, it seems like he's doing well in his career. He looks like he's well. He's not buff like in his imagination, but he seems to be healthy. Mm. He doesn't seem to be like the full-on total loser. Like he's not an otaku. Yeah. Exactly. And and that's otaku being the basement dwelling nerd for for people who don't aren't up to date on anime terms.
1: Yeah. I think that's very key going forward in um, that time slime. um, You are going to see a lot of points where he does differ from your usual virgin that gets uh, put through to a new world. He genuinely believes in connection. Um, You know, the first thing he does when he meets another resident of this world is make a friend. Yes, um,
0: I love that moment where he's just like, Could we be friends? And yes. I just like wait, what? <laughs> sure, yeah. okay. I mean, yeah. yeah, you want to be friends with this giant dragon that you've just met. But yeah. um All right. Um, I guess but, you're just out there and you're just a nice person. Yeah, he's just a, a, a chill guy who just has a
1: few hang ups, but no more than like, like he is just a chill guy that believes in um commonality. Um, which is which is really cool and really refreshing to see from a prota- uh, like one of your overpowered protagonists, um, who are usually going by the whole might is right sensibility, yeah, and actually can tie very very well into D um, and yeah. because if you're going into it imagining that you're a might is right sort of character, then there's no reason for you to be in a party,
0: mm. but that is a go- strong. Mm -hmm. It's strong main character energy. Exactly. Like it's that idea where I am the hero of this story. And I know every character Mm -hmm. thinks they're the hero of this story, but Mm -hmm. when you have a group of players in a party and everyone's acting like, no, I'm the only one that's the hero. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of annoying. So that's something to watch for, particularly if people are coming off this sort of media to, to Mm -hmm. create their characters.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly where you should sort of, look to Remaru as an example because, you know, the first person he encounters is just like, no, this world functions on survival is of the fittest. And Rimuru is just like, but why, why though? Friend? When? Friend? Friend. Let, let's, let's get together. Let's band together and actually create something good and meaningful as opposed to trying to one up each other.
0: Yeah, I am liking that, that it, when he mentions to being friends to Veldora, who is just, he's trapped in this cave for 300 years. This massive yeah. dragon was pinned down by some sort of magical girl mm. and is essentially just, I'm bored. I've yeah. got no, I've had no one to talk to for 300 years beyond myself. I just want to have a conversation. Yeah. He, he does the little finger, the, the, what is yeah, it? That, the, uh, the finger points Cinderella. together. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, can I be your friend please? It's like, yes. Yes. Um, and then he gets absorbed by a slime because yeah. reasons I didn't really understand that. This is, uh, that, this is that, where I have problems with Isekai mm. when it's like, because reasons question mark. Mm. Um, so that is of something like that. that is going to be addressed
1: a little bit more deeply in the coming episodes. Okay. Um, okay.
0: Okay. okay. But
1: okay. Uh, you mentioned the whole thing about him. Like you, you liked his original name, but you know, then he gets the new name, Marie, Marie Tempest, which is fine, but you know, um, his old name was fine uh, names have a lot of power in this world um, they do
0: but do you know what Rimuru means um, I actually do not it means nothing it is not a name it oh. is just a series of syllables that the dragons spewed out <laughs> and oh, I love it right. because Macam- he's still Makami at that time or yeah. Rimuru they're the same they're interchangeable like, thinks about who this dragon is. He's Veldora, the Storm Dragon, and he's, like, really powerful. And he's like, oh, yeah, Tempest. Our family name is Tempest because that's powerful. And the dragon's like, yeah, I guess you're (laughs) blah."
1: Actually, that's a very good point. That's actually, um, yeah, I'd like you to keep that one in mind as you sort of go forward there. Um,
0: I, I think... I I will. I will make sure to to make like figure that make then make a note of that. I may just make a note of that in my my notebook. Um, this is how I feel. A lot of people name their characters as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. They just go, oh, let's let's go a series of syllables
0: that sound vaguely fantasy-ish. Yeah, sort of fantasy-ish. That it's like. That kind of works for, for the sound I'm looking for. Or they go for the I'm super awesome Tempest.
1: Yeah, yeah. For
0: the, the X-Men code names thing. Yeah, I, go, going um, on to
1: like the random name generators and stuff like that.
0: Which, yeah, you know, yeah. they
1: do have their own... Um, uh, what's the word?
0: They have their own appeal. They, they have, their have their own their, appeal. Own, yeah, they do come up with some good ones. I've come up with some really good names on Random Name Generators. There's a great um, Mind Flayer name that I've got that I use for a villain, Abrax Vol. Abraxval, Vol. That's great. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes it
1: can just be like the feeling of the syllables. Like, yeah. you know, you, you think of something, uh, Rimuru, that, that sounds a little bit um, bouncy, a little bit flowy. Sometimes it can just be the texture of the word that allows you to attach
0: it to a character, but you know, it is kind of like a round sound, like rimaru yeah, and then you have this, this slime, which is basically just a little sphere, a bouncy yeah, little blob. blob. Um, how do you tend I'm, to go
1: about naming your characters?
0: I am going to make a confession um, about yep. naming a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have my handle online, which some of you know, and mm-hmm. I came up with this when I was probably about 15. Uh, which is never a good sign, but I threw it together because it needed a name for a character in a story and I wanted to excite, like, sound vaguely Russian, like not yeah. general, like Antonin or something like that, like not classic <laughs> Russian, Yes, that's a real <laughs> word. But this is when I later discovered, like this was my, my username on many different forums. I used it in a number of different play-by-posts. I had the whole family of different, this was their surname, like I had the brother, anyway. I use it quite regularly whenever I play an MMO, as this is Mm -hmm. my tag. I've discovered since that it is actually type of soup. Um, (laughs) No. And I still use it because I am a type of soup. And time is a weird soup, right? Yeah, Um, exactly. (laughs) This is what can happen when you just kind of throw syllables at the wall Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: hope you get something good.
1: Yeah, it's it's like... um it's, it's actually an area of graphic design where essentially I can't remember what it's called, but you have to make sure that, um, it's not accidentally representing a symbol that's going to offend someone. The two most common ones, of course, being, you know, something phallic or, um, maybe a hate symbol. Um, and it's the same thing with words. It's, um, you know, you suddenly put a few words together. My handle, for example, was catog. Um, and so of course every single time someone goes, Oh, like cat dog? I'm just like, mm-hmm. nah, It's just a series of random syllables that I made up as a kid because I really wanted a nickname because you can't really make a nickname out of Caleb. I mean, there's K, but I rediscovered that around about 23 years later. Uh let me See, that Was that one that that one sounds like a hate crime. It
0: does. Um <laughs>
1: But, uh, yeah, yeah you so, don't want to end
0: up with a character called Bajero or, um, Murd. Yeah.
1: So that, unless that's you're intending that. And, and that's why I think it's good to sort of go about it like Remaru does, um, to sort of go from like, okay, so this character that I'm thinking of has, let's say, sort of a fiery quality to them. Like they're really feisty. I, I'm thinking sparks or, um, or embers, um, embryo, embry, and embry, embry would be a good name for like a
0: fire genasi. Yeah, that's um, a great name for a fire genasi. Yeah. So and it sounds good to say when you're hearing it back to yourself a lot because that's what's exactly. going to be happening in a in RPG. You're going to get you know hear your name a lot. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So names have a lot of power, um, which is something that you'll see a lot more often in this, and I think we should also touch on
0: again. Um, yeah, as I, you sort of get further, we get further and further into the series.
1: Um, I'm sure
0: we'll come across that a number of times. Veldora obviously is just a badass name. Oh, Veldora is a fantastic name. Actually, there is Veldora. one thing that I wanted to talk about Veldora, uh, um, okay.
1: with, um, so, um, and that comes to sort of designing interesting NPCs.
0: Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause
1: of course, like, again, this is the first character that you encounter, um, in, uh, the story. This new
0: world, yeah. In this, in this, new, this new world, because we um, meet his his um his co worker and fiance who I I love, yeah. <laughs> they're my favorite characters so far, obviously. yeah.
1: No, they're great. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, thank th- th- thank you for the uh the junior that um that threw the, the computer in the
0: bathtub. I know, I love that. Is he's, you? He's, oh, Mikami's dying. He's like, delete my throw my computer <laughs> in the bathtub. Like, yeah, dude, what is on there? <laughs> And I,
1: I, I just love the fact that I, I, I was re-watching it just to um, refresh. I remember, it I turns out that he says I like you need to take my hard drive out of the computer and throw it in the bathtub. And obviously this junior didn't know how to do that, so he's taken the monitor and the full computer and just gone <laughs> into the water.
0: Oh, um, that was great.
1: Anyway, but, yes, Veldora. Yes, but yes, Veldora. So it would have been so easy um, and honestly that is part of the trope that they play into of having this massive um, ancient evil dragon um, that um, has been locked away and like he has that gravitas like there's that bit of familiarity as that base um, and allows us to sort of get adjusted to like okay this is your fantasy world we've come across that ancient evil that was sealed away Um that we've got a little bit of exposition there's like the other worlders and all that sort of stuff now veldora would have been an interesting character on its own on his own because of that yeah. um just by sheer weight of being um this powerful figure in the world but then the writer decided to add in that that little bit that actually uh, like the 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 element. Like mm-hmm. the, this sort of pouty, almost childish
0: aspect to it. And mm-hmm. that that little bit of, oh, you're gonna go, well, I guess I'll just be here alone.
1: Yeah, I'm exactly.
0: Be bored again.
1: And and the insane thing is that, um, and this becomes clearer later in the series, um, is that that is an element that is Added like it's a it's a fun little twist on the character but it's a twist on it that only exists because it's congruent with the character Mm. of course this dragon that has no equal and just goes around just burning shit around and then has been stuck on its own all alone like away from connection is going to be acting a little bit like a tsundere, a a little bit childish, a little bit, um, you know, full emotion, heart in his sleeve, because what's a dragon that is one of the most powerful dragons in this world got to hide. And, and I think making it not only like this little twist, but a twist that is congruent with the character or the trope that you've established. Instantly makes you remember that character because um, there's so, uh, and that's the, again, that strength that we were talking about with that time slime that, you know, it's always stuff that makes sense in the world. Everything is sort of like, oh, this exists. So of
0: course that would happen. Of course a character would react like that. Of course that exists. See, I do wonder whether it was done in the reverse order. They wanted a certain outcome, so they created something to make sure it existed. Uh, how do you mean? Well, I don't think I've got an example yet, but you're saying, mm. like, once you learn something later on about it, I was like, well, of course, that's because we learned that thing earlier on. Mm. And, like, as a, as a game master, as a world builder, I'm like, yeah, I want to have this epic battle at the end where there's, like, a floating island. Why is there a floating island? Okay, well, i need to come up with some sort of rock that floats and then I'll just kind of weave that into the campaign. So at the end, when there's a floating island, I like yeah, I'm floating
1: island. Well, yeah, I, I guess that's um, sort of comes to like, okay, do you do we work from the outside in or the inside out? And I think it's very much a uh, a, a choice depending on the game master. So you give the example of the floating island, um, and then you had to be like, okay, so there will be floating rocks around. Um, At that stage you'd sort of be like Okay well how do people Interact with these floating rocks Does like Are they used as games Are they used um, like is there Like sort of a floating ball sport Um, Is there A Maybe are they used as a mode of transport Because it's essentially a frictionless um, uh,
0: Way of moving around um, and suddenly you've case... got Eberron and Spelljammer, where it's like, oh, yeah, everyone's got a magical item because you didn't think through your world building. Well, yeah,
1: or like you just have to accept that there, um, if you are doing something with that high level of magic just going around, that mm-hmm. um, you need to make sure that at every level, like what what are the tiers um, of that? Um, you know, what is the smallest level to which that can be and why and, and how does the world react to that small example as well as the large example so how do people react to floating pebbles next to a floating island
0: yeah give me a so, lot to think about today
1: yeah well i hopefully we're giving the the
0: the listener uh, something, uh, listen something to think about um Speaking of how the world reacts to things, I do want to bring up something from the second episode. Absolutely. Like it seems like once once Rimuru like absorbs Veldora into himself, mm-hmm. which um again, super PC thinking is like, "How do I break you out of this? I know I'll eat you." Yeah. And <laughs> that
1: yeah. use the tools we'll available.
0: The, we'll put him in the bag of holding. That'll work. Yeah. Um everyone seems to know that Veldora's gone immediately Yes. Like all these nations are starting to respond. Oh wait, that's explained. That's the thing. Isn't that why the goblins later on are able to tell that he's super powerful because of an aura, right? Yep, exactly. Is is that how they knew the dragon wasn't active because the aura disappeared or something? Um yeah, exactly or is that just they just needed um, they needed it gone. They needed everyone suddenly knows that this it's gone. Well, like um
1: the the way that it's sort of established is that you know basically Valdora was so powerful that he was giving off this massive aura that people were keeping an eye on, right? Um, and people could uh, just you know, feel they, it.
0: That makes sense. Though.
1: Yeah, and they're pe- like, if you are someone that has the ability to look at auras and is like keeping an eye out for auras, um, because I think it's pretty established that people within this world, you know, it's it's like it, it, it's. Sort of like seeing someone wearing a massive cape or something like that. Like, if if you were to see someone like that, you'd be like, oh, well, uh, there's obviously someone that's a superhero of some kind. These people sure. are used to sure, seeing sure. auras around.
0: Um, right, right. And right, suddenly right. this aura has disappeared. And yeah, it's like it's the like... weather. It's like suddenly there's like a storm gone or yeah. something. It's like, exactly. yeah, something's different today. I don't know what it yeah. is. Exactly. All right, all right. I I thought that was a plot hole that I didn't enjoy and now that you've explained mm-hmm. it to me I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um
1: and and yeah, I think th- um that actually also ties back into the whole um if you want to actually make a really really good campaign that flows nicely, you can't be doing it like this happens and then this happens. You can't be going the king dies and then the queen dies. Oh, no. You need to be you need to go the king dies and therefore the queen dies because of heartbreak. And that's what the series does really well. You know, um, you the know, Veldor- effects, the dominoes or the dominoes. Exactly. Right. So Valdoria disappears. Therefore, um, people, um, come to the, uh, come to investigate. They open up the gate and therefore Rimuru can get out. Um, wow. uh, he Arimaru is wandering oh, around uh, the forest and I, therefore I see, I see, the, the goblins are just like, there's this powerful thing going around. We need to go find it. Um, And uh, it's always, this happens because this previous thing happened.
0: Yeah, it, it's building on the, the previous. Exactly. And, and that's what this does it, really strong. It really is the actions of the main character or the party are leading exactly. to the next the next thing that exactly Ramira removes the the dragon so something has to happen so that opens the gate like you were saying that opens the gate and now because at the end he's gonna protect the village from the dire wolves obviously that will create some other problem so mm-hmm. they it's not oh we're not creating your own problems but it is creating your own story and the world's responding and exactly. it does feel like this lived in world if you can do it in an RPG it's amazing because it feels like a real situation. The, yeah. My my question of Was it just in a status quo before this person showed up? Yeah, kind of. It was. Um, (laughs) That's how stories work. Yeah, totally. Like,
1: uh, uh, that's how literally every story would work. You know, there's a point of equilibrium, and something happens to shift it off that equilibrium. Does it go further off or does it achieve its balance again? Well, that's what the story is about.
0: That's generally how I run my games. I have a story that will occur if the players don't take part. Mm. Like I know this is the story of Romeo and Juliet. And if you throw player characters into it, suddenly that will change. Yeah. Because they're going to do other things. They may not know how the story is going to end Mm -hmm. when they step in. They just know something's happening, but I as the game master do know. So that way I can respond to their actions because I know which way the story wants to go yeah i know how npcs will act because they have their goals in mind they are kind of working on the assumption of the story or they're working on the, the behalf of the story exactly you don't want a story that will
1: happen no matter what people do you want you want people you want players to feel like they are actually affecting that world and that yeah. they are creating the the therefore
0: yeah um the characters are the ones that change the story exactly, but you need to know what that story is first before you can tell it.-hmm yeah. precisely
1: um, which is a difficult thing about being a DM because you need to oh. you can either you have to either be really good at prediction um and sort of have an idea of what all the different angles are um and see um where where they might go. Or you know your world enough so that you can improvise the reaction of that world once the uh, players
0: have interacted with it in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of know how everyone's going to respond. Yeah. Or just getting a good idea of people. Hmm. Precisely. Um, speaking of things that just about how you know a world respond and like the tropes that worlds often have, that's what mm-hmm. we were talking about this is my yeah. segue into the level grinding um that Ramiro does while he's still in the in the mm. cave and gaining all the abilities
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i love that idea of this is how you level grind but i did also like that that wasn't too much of the episode yeah like this isn't this is doesn't feel like it's going to be an action anime this is much more of people talking about things and standing up to each other like it's him deciding yeah. to protect the the goblins. It's him deciding to be friends with Veldori. It's not about them fighting and then being like, well, I guess you beat me. It's like it just shows, hey, here's yeah. a monster. That's the ability he got from it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, like there is going to be some more action later in the series, but yeah. it definitely isn't the big draw of the series. Um I, I when I think of the moments that really get me hyped, it's not the um, it's not the battles but rather the outcome of those battles. Um, You'll see it later in this series um, a couple of times. I can't remember if it is later in this series, but yeah, seeing what the outcomes of those battles are, but yeah, seeing what the outcomes of those battles are, seeing how it is ultimately dealt with, because there is very, very few circumstances in this series where um, it is sold simply with a fight. Yeah. It is always the the fight is, uh, the, the fight happens. And then as a result of what has happened in that fight, they finally go, okay, we've seen what each of us can do. Now let's actually figure out how we can make, how we can be useful to each other given our skill at.
0: Yeah. The skill set seems to be the most important part of it. It's like, what Hmm. does each, each creature have that's unique that he's able to use, like that Hmm. he learns from them. And that's kind of taking it on board that absorption that a slime has. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about slimes and that idea of absorption. Because, mm. specific, let's look at D&D as the example. Like, we can yeah. talk about other RPGs, we can talk about all the ways of role playing. but I think... But this is D&D this is, and TV, so... This is D&D and TV, and it is... The ooze, the slime, is very much a D&D monster. Like, Absolutely. the gelatinous cube is the the classic D&D monster. Exactly. Would you, Quest all at first, yeah. Yeah. Would you allow a character to be an ooze? So... Um,
1: Gosh, because they did get added to Five E in Spelljammer. The, the in Spelljammer,
0: that's the plasmoids. I've got a character who is a plasmoid in a Spelljammer campaign, and it's really fun. Mm. But it's odd sometimes, like the fact that he wears yeah. armor, and we can put him in a bag of holding, and like he can squeeze under doors. And it's like there's a lot of problems that are suddenly solved because you're an ooze. But Absolutely. I also just love that image. Yeah, like I like that he's just like a sentient blob. Well, yeah, like, I think, look, if I were to run,
1: it it would absolutely depend on the campaign that I ran. Um, If I were running something like Curse of Strahd, where people are meant to be um, powerless for a long time, Mm. having creatures like Arakokras, like Plasmoids, like Centaurs in that environment... Mm-hmm. is going to hurt that vibe. However, if you are running a well let, let's say something like the um that time slime um where a essentially more generic fantasy world. Yeah, more generic oh, fantasy hell. world. Um hell, one that isn't so focused on combat and um uh combat or or puzzles, but more mm. around world interaction. So even if
0: it is puzzles, I think even if
1: it is puzzles, but like if you have a plasmoid in the party, um, them with the ability to get into small spaces is going to be used a lot more interestingly in that environment compared to your average dungeon crawler where suddenly, Oh, there's a locked door. Now there's a little bit of space in between Mm -hmm. um, uh, underneath. I'm just going to ruin this puzzle for you. It (laughs) very much depends on what campaign you're, I would be running.
0: Um, for me so personally, when, when they, I was, yeah.
1: Don't go when ahead. they try
0: to get under the when they try to get under the door. That's when they discover the draft blocker of uh, fire damage that's just oh, been yeah. put under every door in the dungeon. It's really drafty in here, you guys.
1: Yeah, and, and that's and that's the thing. Like, you don't also as a DM want to create a world that is actively hostile to a player style that you're um your car- your players have created. Like you want to it, it's the whole concept of shoot the monk. Like you yeah. should be able yeah, yeah. to like if you've got someone in your party that has deflect missile, you want to have um some opponents that come up to them that that fire at them so they can like read like catch that um that arrow and chuck it back at them. Because that's what will make them feel cool. You don't want to be having to, um, like, you, you want to um, empower your party and help them feel like their particular skill set is actually useful and is... um like what the, makes the, them the hero. Yeah, Exactly. Like, th- this is why your characters are here and why they appear to be the only ones able to do it. Um, whether it be because they've chosen a particular um, uh, species or whether they've chosen a particular class or whether they've chosen a certain set of skills. Like with one of my um, campaigns recently, I knew that one of my players had Featherfall. So they are actually being carried by um, a dragon, like this sort of this cargo hold. And um, this dragon gets hit by um, this magic beam that basically decays half of it away. And suddenly these pe- um, this party is tumbling through the air. Um, the, the fight's still going. One of them chucks a javelin. The cargo hold opens and they all go tumbling out. Um, and as this happens, um, the player realizes, oh, crap, wait, I have feather fall. Cast, cast Feather Fall on, um, on everyone. So, and, and that, that made them feel so cool. Mm-hmm. um, and, and you need to be able to create moments like that. You don't want to be going over to um, your players and being like, no, nah,
0: I don't want that to happen because that's too OP. Yeah. The, you, oh, suddenly you're in an anti-magic field. That didn't work. I guess you're falling again because you yeah. only saw one solution to the problem. Exactly like if he decided not to use featherfall, if he decided to use yeah. like a sort of magic carpet that they found, that would have felt amazing as well because yeah. they had been given a, so they got to come up with the solution. they weren't exactly. handed it to it by you exactly. I think this is why so many people so many game masters create puzzles that have no answer. That yeah, and they just let the the players work on it for like half an hour, twenty minutes, until they the players come up with an answer the answer that they're satisfied with and that they mm-hmm. agree with, and go, yeah, that's the answer. Yeah, because it feels like I've achieved something with that. Absolutely, because or it's a better end, one that I came up. with. Yeah. yeah, it's the
1: um, it's like we were talking about before, getting the players in on the the whole therefore part. Um, because they feel like you know, they achieved it because they did it. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the world responded um, and continued because of their actions.
0: The world kind of developed their actions and accepted yeah. them. It's yeah. the yes end of the world. Exactly. And speaking of these achievements and these, these things, now going back to the ooze that um, yes. gains these abilities... Which isn't something that oozes are able to do in classic D anD. d No. How do you feel about that as a leveling up process? That at each level, instead of like taking mm. a feat, your characters mm-hmm. could pick an ability that one of the monsters that they've killed had, mm. and they gain that.
1: So this is actually something I believe actually exists. This is a uh, a play on um, Final Fantasy. Actually, the the concept of the Blue Mage. The, oh, the I love character- the Blue Mage. Yeah. It's 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 a blue mage trick. um. You know, I I think they copy your skill. Oh! Ex- exactly. I think it would be really really cool to actually have a character that um, you know, if you encounter someone from the monster manual, like let's say, yeah, like if you had uh, plas a plasmoid that like needs to devour the body before it hits zero, um, mm-hmm. but um maybe has like a higher chance of devouring it um the the lower hp it is sort of like a pokemon um, mechanic okay. um uh and then like you can then go to the monster manual and like choose a little ability that they might have there um and add that to your repertoire that would be yeah. really really cool um i reckon even
0: if it's the- something basic like they have resistance to fire damage yeah and it's like okay. yeah sure yeah and um, maybe if you're, you, it's like if a super powerful one, then you have to take one of their disadvantages as well. Like maybe they're yeah. not as wise and you've got to drop your wisdom point a few levels. Yeah. Um, or like, maybe you can only have
1: like you, maybe you can only use a certain amount of abilities, like ha- have them applied to you per day, like sort of how the Eladrin, um have their proficiencies that they have after they do their trance. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, it'd be really interesting to have a blue mage character. It would be hell to balance. You would want to do yeah. it in a situation where you're not all that much concerned about balance. You, yeah. um, And you'd want it to have be in a situation where the characters are going to be in combat quite a bit. You'd want something that maybe sort of has more of a monster hunter vibe. Yeah. Um, And, you know, ba- basically it would be, you know, there's this big um enemy that you guys have to how to fight, and maybe along the way, like maybe your um, your Plasmoid can absorb uh, other skills from the the little ones around, but
0: if they manage to get at the big one, then they get that ability. Um, I mean, on a lower, I guess, lower level of that, it might just be you're salvaging the stuff. It's the, the traditional salvaging of monster bits. Exactly, it's like maybe maybe you're stealing the dragon eyes to, or maybe you're stealing the dragon's tongue and throat, and now you're able to do dragon's breath occasionally because you've got yes. these these things that were were done. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, yeah, honestly, I think that'd be a really cool concept for a class.
0: Um, I'm thinking about Dude. it now. I'm. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, sitting
1: here we're we we're, we're, we're having the same idea here, aren't we? Yeah, we're
0: um, gonna have to we're gonna have to sit down and have a think about this. And yeah. you can find that on our Patreon.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <there>, <laughs> yeah.
0: Eventually. There, there. Uh I'm, I'm i pretty cool. that's pretty much everything I wanted to talk about for these couple yeah. of episodes. I'm interested to see where they go next. I suspect there'll be some dire wolves that get absorbed into um into Rimuru. And yeah. I'm I don't want it to be a little bit of the the realistic horror of someone watching someone else get absorbed into this little slime. Um, but I also kind of want to see that. Mm, <laughs> of being mm. like, what did you just do to him? Oh, my God, you're a monster. Yeah. You're like, yeah, he's a monster. Uh, but, yeah, I think it looks like uh, going to be a fun series. Yeah, uh, is there anything terrifying. you wanted to talk, anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't yet? So there was actually one
1: thing that I wanted to talk about, and it's actually going to be kind of antithetical to the podcast.
0: How yeah, I'm so I'm so so sorry. Um, is it about movies? Is it uh, about Pathfinder? Because those there's only it, two things this podcast is about. It's D and D and it's TV.
1: Well, it's actually going to be about the limitations of TV. Um, oh, I So, um, uh, again, rewatching it, they do so well using the medium of TV to try and represent what it's like to suddenly realize that you are a creature. Without a sense of touch of sight of smell, yeah. everything like that, and slowly having to readjust to that new sense, but it's something that um t v can't do all that well um because it is primarily primarily an audio visual medium we are not going to experience um smell or taste um when it comes to uh when it comes to watching the show but i think it's also something considering the world that we sort of are in and especially with nerds we consume a lot of media um oh. through tv movies video games um we are uh, and video games thankfully are um sort of now getting into sort of the touch sensation but not quite like they they're um offering these uh, sort of What's the word? Um,
0: uh, sensory,
1: yeah, like like the sensory stuff, like 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 so, sort of an interpretation of touch without actually touching yeah. things.
0: Yeah,
1: and that's something that I think the visual, uh, sorry, the um the light novel actually does really really well, and something I think is key for D, uh, DMs to remember, um, in that sight and. Sound are something that we're very, very used to in this world. But it's also, they're also probably the least sensitive of the senses. Yeah. If you want to really get at your players, you need to excite the sense of touch, of smell, of taste. So, like, if so- you've, they're in the middle of the war, you need to be describing the taste of copper behind their teeth.
0: Yeah, like the it, smell of smoke and blood, and yeah, you know, smell of smoke and decay. Um, mm-hmm. like what it feels like to when you're inside an ooze, exactly you're like, uh, like that, an ooze is inside you, yeah. Like you'd like that feeling of
1: just gelatin surrounding you, and um, it's sort of moist, uh sensation just sort of sliding across your skin that's visceral mm. that is a really mm. visceral um uh thing that you can use to really get at your players and to to build up this sense um and actually make the world feel a lot more real
0: um that's and certainly yes. something i i try to remember each time like if i'm doing a description of a scene i'll do the audio visual and then I'll try to throw in a different sense. Like you can smell tulips or yeah. you can feel cold wind on your face, or there's a taste of taste of um, mead on your tongue as you sit in the tavern kind of thing, just to add yeah. that extra level because yeah. every you can go, he's got Brown hair and, you know, sallow skin, but also he smells of sour milk. It's like that, that creates yeah. an image almost immediately. You know what that person's like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think, um, yeah
1: in the, in the end uh, that's the sort of the main thing that i wanted to take from this because i also remember the light novel did a fantastic job of building up over a long period of time um Rimuru getting used to the idea of basically his entire body being able to touch um but in a completely different way it wasn't solid against solid it was a gelatin touch, yeah. um, all along, something that he might have once described as his belly, but now no longer has. Um, Ooh, that's a
0: good, yeah. It's kind yeah. of all his belly because it's he's just one, exactly one constant organ. Exactly. Okay, that's something so, to to think about. There's some body horror in that as well, but I. I oh can god, see, yeah, yeah. Um, um, we are going to be starting to run out of time. Of course, so um, I yeah. To, so that would be my main point. Just yeah, uh, audio
1: visual is great and one something that we're used to, but you can go further.
0: You yeah, can, you can just give them do the old dead man's hand thing where you give them a bowl of grapes and say it's an eyeball, or exactly. some eyeballs, exactly. There's going to be one last thing that we do mm. on this podcast now. Normally we used to have the pick a PC or choose an NPC uh, mm. from the episode we just watched because we're doing two episodes. That's going to be a bit of a tricky one. So yep. we, or I have decided as the host, I've made an executive decision that we're now going to have the natural 20 and natural one awards. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. We Same sort of style. Pick someone from the episode that we just watched that you think rolled that natural 20 or rolled that natural one. And as the host, I'm going to give you an example going first. And uh, rumoru is going to yeah. receive the first Natural 20 award from me uh, for his persuasion checks on Veldora. I'm just being like, <laughs> hi, I want to be your friend. And he's like, wait, what the hell did you just roll up a persuade 20? Well, I guess he does want to be your friend. Yep, <laughs> That's some heavy charisma uh, slime right there. Uh, yep. So yeah, that's my, that's my Natural 20 of the week. Uh, Caleb, would you like to give one a go? You can pick the same one, but be aware you can only pick this character once through the series.
1: Oh gosh! Okay, yeah. so you know what's
0: happening. That's why you can only pick it once. I have the option of being picked whenever I want because I make the rules and I can break them if I want to.
1: Okay, so I am actually going to give um a net twenty um persuasion to uh. The, the elder slash um, his son from oh, the yeah, goblin the village. From the, nice. To the goblins. Um, yeah, just uh, basically, you know, putting everything on the line there. And basically, uh, essentially, uh, like, you, you do know internally that Reemaru is just like, look, I do want to help these guys out, but I still got to play the part. And then being like, and oh, like, for me. our loyalty, our loyalty yeah. is what we'll give you. Because that's all we have yeah um and that that being enough
0: i did love that moment where it's just like what's in it for me i've got to be all like aggressive and stuff i'm like yes you're a you're a player character right now yep you know you need to play the game but you're still going to ask what what's the reward for me exactly like any player character would Yeah. yeah fantastic okay so that is us for this week uh thank you so much for listening everybody I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you watch along with us for episodes three and four. I can't remember what they're called, but we'll talk about them next week. If you Um, want to get in touch with the show, uh, you can send us an email. The email address is dndntvpod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram, which is at dndntvpod. Caleb, where can people find you online if you want them to? um, So they can find me at what's a Caleb
1: on Instagram. Um, uh, C-A-L-E-B is how it's spelled um and yeah no major projects to plug at the moment but uh you know Not of course yet. i'll let you know
0: <laughs> uh, as i said earlier we're brought to you by masters of alchemy so if you would like to mm-hmm. try a game uh with one of the two of us you can head over to masterofalchemy.com or you can head down to fortress emporium in melbourne uh every sunday we run games there teaching people how to play dnd and hopefully other games too someday we would really appreciate it if you left a rating and a review on uh, wherever podcasts are found because that gets us out to more listeners. But the best way to get us out to more listeners is tell your friends. Tell them. Tell them all. Um, Word tell about. Tell them why. Yeah. yeah. Shout out loud you,
1: from the rooftops.
0: You know what they like and they know what you like. And if you recommend something, they're more likely to check it out than if some stranger does online. Mm-hmm. Uh, so until next time all i've got left to say is be kind to yourselves um stay safe may all your hits be crits and we'll see you next time you get reincarnated as a slime <laughs> see you next time guys This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging.